Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Well, aren't you thankful to be here this morning? Yeah. I hope you can appreciate the complication of having all those kids come join you up on the stage. Uh, what an awesome thing. Uh, if you entrusted your kids this week to the staff that was here, uh, that was a powerful thing. Thank you for taking time uh, to invest in your kids and invest in um, their faith here. If you took time, though, to bless those kids, we bless you. Thank you for spending time uh, with our kids here at the church doing uh, that amazing VBS. There is right next to our uh, house a construction site, uh, and I would leave uh, the house, I'd see the construction site, then I would come here, and I was just keenly aware uh, of one fact. The construction site near our house was quieter than what was going on here at the church all week long. Uh, Man, God has given special ears to those leaders, right? The ability to be deaf to only the loud, but not the needs. Pretty special crew. I hope you're thankful for them. We're in a uh, series, once again, that we warned you was coming in the spring, all right? We took a couple of weeks in the spring, and this series that we're jumping back into, just two weeks uh, in the summer, and then we're going to finish it off in the fall, is a series called Ancient Wells, New Seasons. Uh, This series is really designed a little bit more as a family chat, Um, we as a church are taking a a moment to consider what it is that God is doing uh, in our particular place, but it's not unique to us. God is at work all around the world. Amen? He is at work all around the world. We're just being called uh, to step up in our place because of some things that God is doing. And so this series uh, is intended to do two things. Uh, And it's hard to have a message with multiple points. The chances for rabbit trails are many. But this is what we're trying to accomplish. First, we're trying to uh, remind ourselves, uh, Salem Heights Church, about our philosophy of ministry. That is, in Scripture, you have a mandate. We're to proclaim the gospel, to share with everyone the truth of a risen Savior, but not just a truth that, that matters for one moment or when you say uh, that you believe, it's a truth that will transform your life, amen? Amen. So we're given a mandate in scripture to share the gospel, but we have a unique ability as a body of believers to be able to share that news in our community. Those folks that are living in the inner city have a different way of being able to approach the people around them than those that live in the country. So we're not just looking at the mandate, we're looking at what God has called us as a church in particular to invest in to be able to take care of our part of that mandate, sharing the gospel. Remind us of our philosophy of ministry, but the second point that we have in this series um, is to share with you the particular project we think God has asked us as a leadership team, us as a church to invest in uh, a financial and physical commitment to uh, a building, a project that's going on here at the church that goes alongside that mandate. Buildings are not the point, amen? People 
are the point. This sharing, uh, gospel sharing initiative is the thing that will carry on into eternity. Buildings will not, but buildings uh, enable us to house those people who are carrying out the mandate. We're, we're not doing something brand new at Salem Heights. I want you to hear that when you hear some folks talk about what God is doing, they talk as if God's never done anything like this before. God is always good. He is always profound. He is always active. Amen? We just get, by God's grace, a moment where we get to enjoy that in a special way in our particular walk with the Lord. What we're doing is not something new. We're reminding ourselves that there's a great big story that's been going on since the garden, and it will not be done till God makes all things new. We're just reminding ourselves we have a place in that story. And we have to handle this moment well. We're going to be asked, how did we steward this moment? How did we steward our gifts? How did we steward our opportunity to share the gospel? Did we invest or did we wait? And we're asking all those who would call Salem Heights Church home to invest. So we're going to do that this morning, remind ourselves of the mandate first, and then tell you about the project second. Uh, you might notice in your notes, it says Pastor Justin Green and Pastor Pete. Pete has not become like the Holy Spirit, you know, not, not visible, but you'll hear his voice. He'll actually be here in just a moment. But last time that we did this, uh, because we are committed to making sure every single morning that we gather together as believers, we have exposition, we're looking at scripture for our, our meaning, there was a moment at the beginning of that where... Uh, Pete had asked me to share why we were there, and then he had to look at me for uh, 10 minutes on the stage, and it was awkward, I will tell you that. So I'm going to ask him to come up in just a moment after we receive uh, what I really believe for this morning is a, a picture of how God works. Something I just want you to tuck into your mind as we read these passages in Isaiah 11, 12, and then we're just going to take a, a brief look at, at John 4. Uh, this picture that we're drawing from, ancient wells, new season, throughout scripture from the very beginning uh, in the Bible, a well was a place of refreshment and sustenance. If you were living in the desert, uh, you would know where the oasis or the well was. If there was a well and multiple people had need of it, they would put infrastructure around that well so it wouldn't break down. It would still be useful to all of those who had need of it. But it was a place of refreshment and sustenance. You would go there uh, to get water when you were parched. It was a place where you would meet others, learn news, and then take your place in the village. Consistently uh, with a well, you would go early in the morning, uh, so you'd be able to wash your hands if you were uh, uh, somebody who was running a restaurant in the town. You would gather the water not only for your home's needs, but for your business needs. And you draw that water, you would take it back into the village, uh, and you would take your place in the society. So the well wasn't the point. The well enabled those things that you were supposed to be about to happen. And you would gather there. But when everybody was there in the morning, getting the water for the day, cleaning up, they would share news about what was going on. Uh, they didn't have Fox News and CNN. They had the well back then, okay? Everybody just shared everything that was going on. They knew all the things that were happening in their place. You would meet others. You would learn that news. But then you would go take your place. And throughout Scripture, a well was seen as a metaphor. God would use it multiple times 
not talking about a literal location, but metaphorically, we talk about the, the meaning of a well. It was a metaphor for life-giving spiritual restoration and for community. When you were desperate and you were parched, you would go to the well. When you were in need of, of finding others who could support you or meet you in your moment of need, you would go to that well. And God grabs that imagery and puts it into scripture and says, I am the living waters. I'm the well. Now, a place like a well would sometimes get even greater significance. And, and I want you, as we're tucking this thought away, to kind of cap it off with this. A, a place gets significance not because the place starts as significant. A place becomes significant because of what happens in that place. Waterloo, you wouldn't have been able to pick it out on the map until Napoleon came there and lost a great battle. We wouldn't know about Flanders Field until Normandy happens and we end up with this place where all these people who are fighting for freedom are buried in the same location under different flags but for the same cause. Gettysburg is meaningless until a battle is fought there that changes the tide of a war that leaves the United States still connected together. Gettysburg has meaning. And Golgotha is the center point of history just a hill, a crag of rocks, until the Messiah of the world gives his life for you and I in that place. And it has forever significance now. People desire to go there, not because the rocks are important, but because Jesus is important. Amen? So a place can take on significance, not because the structure is so important and gives life, but because something happened there. And you're visiting that memory. You're visiting those truths. We're going to see a moment where this happens for a woman in John chapter 4, but the information that she needed was found in the scriptures. In fact, I believe that she was aware of these passages, and I believe that Jesus uses this as an outline. I want you to understand that sometimes scripture contains impossible or incomprehensible truths that are meant for you. So we're in a church right now this morning, and we're meant to study the Bible, and there are some things that we're going to read about, and you're going to read them, and as you read them, you might say, gosh, that, that's, that theology is so high, and the stuff that you're talking about is just so up at the 30,000 foot level. I want you to see, somehow, sometimes it feels like it's a little hard to reach. How will that ever become personal? I want you to see a moment where that happened. The high information, 30,000 foot level that the prophets had given to Israel, uh, to the Jewish people and ultimately to us is found in Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Are you guys with me so far? You're listening so well and so quietly. Thank you. Uh, if somebody snores next to you, bump them, say pretend like you're listening, all right? Isaiah chapter 11. Pete does this on a regular basis. He says, if you're ready to hear God's word, say ready. ready. Here we go. Isaiah chapter 11. Verse one, it says, then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, a branch from its roots will bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. It's talking about a person, spirit of wisdom, of understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice 
by what he hears with his ears. But he will judge the poor righteously. He'll execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He'll strike the land with a scepter from his mouth. He will kill the wicked with a command from his lips. Imagine if that happened right now, who would stand? Righteousness will be a belt around his hips. Faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. He's going to be girded with everything right. Listen to this promise. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf, the young lion, the fattened calf will be together. And a child will lead them. Use your imagination for a moment and and see. Can you picture that? The cow and the bear will graze Their young ones will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like cattle. Really? An infant will play besides the cobra's pit. No bad parenting in this day. (laughs) A toddler will put his hand into the snake's den. They will not harm or destroy each other on my entire holy mountain, for the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. On that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will look to him for guidance. That's a profound storyline. This is the backdrop to this passage. Um, As you come into Isaiah chapter 11, as you get to the other side of Isaiah chapter 12, it feels like the world is broken. These promises are dropped into um, a storyline in Israel where everything is going wrong. The world is breaking, hope is lost, and it seems like the promises of God are so far beyond reach, there's no possible way that they're ever going to come true. In fact, by this time in Isaiah chapter 11, and you can just write this down in your own notes, Jeremiah 22 and 23 have already happened, a place where God has cursed the Davidic line. In fact, the imagery that is used by the prophets is that it looks like Israel has been cut off like a tree, like a tree that had been fruitful at one time. It had all of this promise. You would be able to go there and get sustenance. It's cut off at the base. It seems like all hope is lost. And then all of a sudden, something happens. A branch comes off of that root. Nobody's looking at it. Nobody believes it's even possible. But this branch breaks off, and all the fulfillment of all the promises of God are attached to this one branch. It's a metaphor that's used in Scripture. It's a metaphor for the Messiah. He is talking about Jesus. When all hope is lost and it looks like the promises have been cut off, he answers. By the way, just note this when you are going through Scripture. How many times does it seem like It's beyond reach. There's no possible way God can redeem this story. And then he fixes it. And think about us in our current age right now. There's no possible way that God can redeem this story. And I'm telling you that he still fixes things. Amen? He's going to do it. It's an impossible answer. The Messiah brings judgment, justice, restoration. He doesn't judge by externals. And he gives us a glimpse of a future that seems impossible. But look at what happens in Isaiah chapter 12. It's just six short verses. It's a couple of songs actually that are shouted out as a result of meeting this Messiah. It says, on that day you will say, I give thanks to you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, 
Your anger is turned away. You have comforted me. Indeed, God is my salvation. I will trust him and not be afraid for the Lord. The Lord himself is my strength, my song. He's become my salvation. You will joyfully draw water from springs of salvation. And on that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord, proclaim his name, make his works known among the peoples. Declare that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord for he's done glorious things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry out, sing, citizen of Zion, for the Holy One of Israel is among you in all of his greatness. Isaiah chapter 11, this impossible answer appears. It's, it, it's the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 12. Oh yeah, he's not just a, a theory. He's actually coming for you. On that day, you will say, I give thanks to you, Lord. Your anger is turned away from me. I will trust him and not be afraid. The outcome of the answer is personal. Scripture says that it's going to go from a theory and this idea that possibly the Messiah can do something someday to he is doing it for me. God will meet and forgive and comfort me. That's what Scripture says. God will offer permanent refreshment to me. My heart will swell so much with rejoicing that I'll go and tell other people. Oh man, yeah, Justin, that sounds great. Good theology lesson, that's awesome. You have no idea what I've been living through this last week. You have no idea what it is that I've been facing. You have no idea what's going on in the world because you don't watch TV. The world's a mess, right? And for some of you, it seems like hope is beyond reach. It seems like everything is fractured and it's not just fractured out there. It's starting to eke its way into your home and it feels like maybe even things have shifted underneath your feet and you're beyond hope. This is what I'm telling you. In scripture, this has always been true. These big high ideas about a beautiful God that forgives and sets things right. Those aren't just theologies for somebody to study when they have a peaceful moment. These are truths that are meant to be in our heart and change our lives. They're for you. Well, there was a woman who found this out personally. Now, it's a well-known story. I want you to read it on your own in John chapter four. I'm just gonna cherry pick a couple of moments. But here's this woman in Samaria and Jesus actually says, I have to go there. Disciples are perplexed. They're like, why in the world would you have to go through Samaria? There's a better way to get around that place. Those people are crazy. Don't go over there. And not only does he have to go there, he has to go there in the middle of the day, the heat of the day. Anybody do something yesterday in the heat of the day? Yeah, I know. This is the Willamette Valley. We went from complaining about the rain to complaining about the heat in about three weeks. Heat of the day, we don't like it. Nobody's out in the heat of the day doing anything healthy. You're going to hurt yourself out there. So here's this woman out in the heat of the day. and She's there because nobody else would have her in the cool of the day. She's alone, she's at the well, we know the story. She's there, but she still has this theology of Isaiah chapter 11 and 12 in her mind. She's there at this well, thinking that there's no hope, that all the promises of God are beyond her. She's a Samaritan, first of all, nobody would accept her. And secondly, these promises about a Messiah, if he knew all the things that I had done, he's not coming for me. And so she comes to this well and she's by herself, but here is this Jewish rabbi and he's there sitting at the well and he says, would you please draw me some water? 
Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water that I would give him would become a well of water springing up for eternal life. Isaiah chapter 12. It'll spring up within you. It'll change who you are. Sir, please give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to come out here again in the middle of the day. Well, go call your husband. Notice he doesn't judge by what he sees with his eyes. But he also doesn't judge by what he sees with his eyes, a broken person in the middle of the day. He doesn't see it, but he knows it. He doesn't see on the externals anything written on her that would say, this is what I'm hoping for, but he knows her heart. She's like, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right, yeah, you've had five husbands. The man you're now with is not your husband. By the way, a sign of an outcast, a sign of rejection. If it was her making that choice, she probably would have been killed. She's been rejected over and over again by all those who would be significant in her life. She has no hope. What does she say? Sir, I see you're a prophet. You can see things that aren't here. She hasn't made a personal connection yet. She just still is feeling judgment. By the way, have you ever been worried about going to church because you're afraid that you might be judged? I didn't hear any amen there. That happens, doesn't it? You want to know why you get afraid of being judged? Because we spend so much time looking in the mirror judging ourselves. If Jesus is really in the people, if the Spirit of God is really here, these people might get it wrong, but they'll get it right. They'll get it wrong at first, but the Spirit of God will keep pressing in on them until they get it right. Why? Because Jesus forgives and meets the sinner right in the middle of the mess. Everybody in here, it's a mess, right? Just look at your neighbor real quick and say, I'm a mess. Okay, there we go. Let's feel that. We're going to lighten the mood just a little bit. No, you don't have to tell them why. I'm hearing that over here. That's not it. Here's what happened. She had her truth. She tells him, hey, look, there's an hour coming when, when uh, the Messiah's going to come. He's going to tell us all of these things. And he says, yeah, that's true. The woman says, I know the Messiah's coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything. Jesus says, I, the one who am speaking to you, am he. And the woman left her water jar, jar, verse 28, and went into town and told the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? I, he told me everything I ever did. And by the way, I'm telling you because I feel forgiven. I can tell you this good news because I want you to feel forgiven too. Isn't that profound? A move from your truth to the truth will change your life. She meets Jesus. He changes her life. The very end, 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the, what the woman said. When she testified, he told me everything that I ever did. Well, where did this happen? Oh, just a couple of side notes. When you look at uh, Isaiah chapter 12, I want you to see uh, there on your own. Just look it up on your own. Uh, try to find... Uh, what the meaning it says, on that day you will say, I give thanks to you, Lord, although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you have comforted me. Indeed, God is my salvation, it says in parentheses. Well, if you were to turn that into a name, the name God is my salvation, you know what that is? Jesus. That's how you say Jesus. 
That's the Hebrew phrase right there. That's Jesus' name. Indeed, Jesus, I will trust in him and not be afraid. He's buried right in the passage that the woman at the well ends up following as an outline. She clings to it, and it changes her life. It goes from high theology to personal transformation in a moment. And all of that happened at a well, the well of Jacob. Now, do you think that she would just drift by that well later on and say, oh, yeah, there's a well? Now, she drifted by that place ever after. I think every single time that she would go back by there, every single time she would draw a well, she would say, I met Jesus here. Throughout Scripture, a well is a place of transformation. But as we come into this New Testament picture, God intends churches to be wells. This is a place, the building is on the outside irrelevant. But when you meet Jesus in that place and you hear about his forgiveness and all of the theology that seems so far out there comes to roost in your heart and you're actually transformed, that place, the bricks and mortar become significant, not because the building's beauty is important, but because Jesus changed your life there. Amen? That's what we're praying will be the storyline, continue to be the storyline here. I'm gonna ask Pastor Pete, he's somewhere in here. There he is, let's give him a hand as he makes it up to the stage. Pete, that's the setup right there. It all happened at a well, um, but we have a vision for what we're hoping will happen here at Salem Heights. So we're doing a family chat. We wanted to get a little bit of theology in there, uh, be able to see how to make this personal. But we're hoping that those life transformations will continue to happen in a building that's getting a little bit tight for us to live in. And so we have a vision for how we can continue to build out the infrastructure here. Uh, And this may feel just a little bit like a hard right turn. Um, but I believe it has ultimate value. So if we were going to talk about the vision of what we're hoping we can build here, how would you answer that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's important that we understand that everything that we want to present to our church family is not just a plan. It's not just a a man-made solution. It's actually an intent from our, our leadership team. And we believe that the spirit of God is going to bring our church together to have a desire to actually fulfill the mandate he's given us. A specific call both to this city, um, to this church family, um, but also to the surrounding regions that he continues to invite us into. And so we believe that Salem Heights has been a well. Many of you know that here in a few years, we're gonna be, we're approaching closely our 75th anniversary from when we were planted. Uh, This well here was dug in South Salem. And for all those years, God has been allowing living water to flow up through uh, the people of this church to the proclamation of God's word to minister, to make disciples who then go out. And so we want to continue to tend to that well. We want this to be a church well beyond the years that any of us in the room this morning or watching us online will be a part of it because we'll be with Jesus Well beyond our time, we want this well to continue to minister. We want Salem Heights Church to be a place where people can draw near to the body of Christ, to hear God's word proclaimed. They can drink deeply from the word of God and then they can share that overflow because the springs of living water that will be produced here are not us. It's the the God and his word in us. And we wanna share that overflow. And so 
as you can tell this morning, um, we're full. Mm-hmm. Um, God continues to bring people to here. Draw, he's drawing people to this well. Um, it's, it's not because of us. Yeah. It's not because of something that we're offering that's beyond God's word. It's God's bringing together a people to accomplish a specific work. And so we want to uh, do a couple of things. We want to address the needs to allow this to be a place where people can draw near, but we also want to be able to continue to be a place that significance is, comes from the fact that they made disciples who made Jesus' name great and sent them back into the world to tell a lost world about the hope that's found in Jesus Christ alone. And so we want to do three things. The first thing we want to do is we want to increase space in this room. We don't want to build a new building. We don't want to move to build a bigger place. We just want to try to maximize what we already have here. And so we want to uh, expand the ability for people to draw near. And the first way we do that is by adding a balcony in this room. As you walked in, perhaps in the middle doors here, you saw there's uh, some conceptual drawings. If you want to get a better look at this picture, uh, they're going to be starting to be posted around the building, but they are available just across from the elevators. But uh, we want to do what this room was designed to do one day, and that is to put in a a balcony. It's going to increase this room uh, over 130 chairs. So for two services, that's uh, over 250 people more that could be in the room. Because uh, for some folks, being in the room with other people, drawing near together, worshiping corporately is a big deal. I think that's why you're all in here this morning. Yeah. Uh, but there are Sundays where you come and you're just a tad late or you can't find a parking spot and uh, you might not be able to find space in here. And so we don't want that to be a problem. We want to try to continue to expand that. And we've had questions a little bit about why not just you know build another building or move to another location and stuff. But as we were praying, yeah. this really, I mean, if we, we were to add too many more seats, uh, we wouldn't have the parking already. We don't have the parking to be able to facilitate that. Yeah. So with every algorithm we could throw at it, this is the best possible outcome for our space at this time. Right, because eventually this isn't our solution to address this, the growth. Yeah. Uh, this is just a way to minister to our family and to make it accessible to more people. Yeah. But our intention is to continue to invest in um, the church. Yeah. And that's not just here. We want to continue to equip and send, equip and send, equip and send. And so we are excited to, uh, to make this addition yeah. and to add a balcony. And this is going to allow people to draw near. But the second part of this vision is to not just be about what we get to do, creating more space for us to come together, but to actually train us up to be able to do the ministry of the church. And so we have a heart to build a place where people can drink deeply and to increase our capacity for discipleship ministry here at Salem Heights Church. And so Lord willing, our plan is to pursue building a brand new ministry center off what we call the bridge to nowhere. Uh, If you've been in our atrium area where our cafe is, there's this bridge that goes straight into a wall. That's because eventually one day (laughs) there was supposed to be a building connected to that. We believe God is saying, now is the time to build that building. Here's a conceptual drawing of what that will look like. It'll be right next to the chapel and the atrium. We're really excited about this ministry center because it's going to increase our ability to do discipleship ministry for all the ministries in our church. It's a multi-use facility. It's going to be approximately 14,000 square feet. The lower floor, though, is committed to our church and our families because the whole bottom floor is committed to, dedicated to D6. 
It's going to be more nurseries, more childcare, more places for kids' classes on Sunday mornings and midweek. It's going to be safe and secure and provide access for our families to be able to see that their kids are going to be discipled together. We're very excited because if you've taken any time to walk through our D6 area, we are bursting um, with kids. Praise the Lord. And so we want to be able to have a space to that. And so the whole lower level will be committed to D6. The whole upper level is committed to uh, discipleship training. It's going to be spaces for growth groups, oikos groups, counseling training, most excellent way training, um, conferences that we've been called to host here at our church. It's going to be spaces for us to gather people together to do church-wide trainings. And so we're very excited to be able to pursue that. And we believe this reflects the ability to not only allow people to draw near, but to drink deep and then equip them to share the overflow and to go out and wherever God calls them, whether it's to serve here at Salem Heights Church or to serve out in our community, we want to be a place that continues to equip people to go out for generations to come. Yeah, so I want you to catch what Pete said. He's Slavic, okay? So he just said, <laughs> we, are, we are very excited to introduce you to these things, my brothers. We are super excited about this for a couple of reasons, all right? This is what I want you to know. It requires a little bit of elevation. I just want you to notice this. This is what we're talking about. It used to be we were on the hairy edge of issuing AirPods to your, uh, your kids. What are those Apple tags, right? So that you would know where they were in the building because it was so hard to find them. They're going to all be in one spot right now. They might be crawling all over the room, but they'll be in one area. You'll be able to find those kids and all of the investment. And also, can I add this? One of the main concerns we have in this day and age is security and making sure that we're thoughtfully doing for families our very best. This is going to address those issues. But also we're reaching a lot of other folks. We want you to hear this. We believe that the answer for the valley and and for Oregon is not coming to Salem Heights Church. It's investing in other places where they can go right where they are in their community. And so our investment in this upper place is not so we can build a bigger place for us. We want to invest in other places so that they are able to do what they need to do to meet the needs in their community. We're doing our very best to keep handing off resources. And this will be a place where we can do that as a clearing house. It is exciting. We ought to just take a moment and say, praise God. Praise God. There we go. (laughs) Do you want me to continue? Yeah, yeah. Give it a shot, man. Come on. Diamonds shine brightest against the dark background. Yeah, so you did, did a good you did a really Hang on. good job. Hang on. You did a good job. There we go. All right. There's one more thing that we want to do, and I'm super excited about it. <laughs> Part of our plan is not just to uh, make some of these brand new buildings come to life, but we also want to update some current areas to increase our capacity and to help us be able to do things more intentionally. And so one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to be updating our old gym to make it a more usable space for D6 and all other types of ministry training. We're also going to take our current ministry house, the old parsonage where a lot of our staff is, and we're going to relocate them to different parts of the church building so that we can turn that house into our counseling center where we have a 
dedicated space full with lots of places where people can come and receive great training, great counseling in a way that's also private and sensitive to the things that people are mm-hmm. struggling with when they come into a counseling area. So that is part of this project as well. And so the scope and sequence of this is that we actually are excited to begin starting this project uh, as early as the winter of 2024. Uh, the balcony project and some of the things that are going to happen up in the classroom areas up just above that have already been through the process of going to an architect submitted to the city and permitted. Uh, and we're working with a contractor to begin to have a date on the calendar where we can start that part of the project. Um, so we're going to start in the winter of uh, 2024 with uh, the balcony and some of the, the moving and relocating and updating of some of our current offices and spaces. And then hopefully in the spring of 2024, begin to update the gym and the D6 areas. As during that time, we are finalizing the plans for the ministry center that we hope to break ground on in the summer of 2024 and to complete that as soon as we possibly can um, so that we can have this whole facility uh, making disciples where people can draw near, drink deep, and share the overflow. Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest question that we're going to get then is, this sounds great. This is exciting to see things. Um, What are you asking from us? Well, what we are committed to is we, we started this in May with two weeks just to let you know what God was starting to do in our hearts and the vision that he laid before us. We're going to spend this week and next week kind of talking about more information, sharing this with you. But our desire is from now until the time where they actually put a shovel in the ground and through the duration of this project, we want the word of God and the teaching of God's word and the worship of our Savior to still be the prominent thing in all of our services. Yeah. And so we are, are not going to just have this be the only thing we're going to be talking about. We want to inform you. We're going to keep you informed along the way. But when you come to church, you're coming to church to hear God's word because that's what changes lives. But we are um, hoping that God will take this as kind of like you when you put yeast into dough and then you, you hope that you come back and it's starting to grow on its own. It's starting to double in size. We hope that as God starts to, through us, reveal to you his plan for our church, that our church begins to sense that this is our call. This is our vision that we can participate in. And that he will lead you to participate in however you might. To build these buildings, to make these updates, it will cost a financial obligation. There will be a financial cost that our church family is going to be encouraged uh, to consider what God would have them do to participate. But we are planning to um, let the Lord do that. Mm -hmm. Um, You notice we don't pass a plate here. We don't talk about money here. Uh, We do not want you to give out a compulsion. But if this is your church, this is your family, Uh, We're inviting you to let the Lord determine how you would participate to make this a reality if this is what God is truly calling us to. And we believe that if he's in it, he's going to lead our church to be able to to meet that. And so uh, we're going to talk more about this um, next week, and then we're going to take a break. We're going to go back to our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. (laughs) And then kickoff time, we're going to talk a little bit more about why we're being compelled to do this. And then at the beginning of October... That first week of October, we're going to have a commitment week where we're going to ask our church family, those who are Salem Hiders, to consider what they would give, what they would pledge to help us build and to make these updates. And so we're going to to let the Lord kind of prime our hearts for that, but we're going to do a one-time ask, and we're going to see what the Lord does through his people. I think this is all awesome. There's moments, though, where it goes from idea to real. We, we saw that with the woman at the well. Yeah. I, I was reminded, I was telling you about an old joke that I had heard a long time ago. This older couple had been married for 60 years. She's um, 
ready to pass. And mm-hmm. she's laying there on the bed, and uh, he has known all their entire married life. There's a shoebox up in the, the cupboard that, that he's not supposed to look in. She just said, don't ever look in there. And so uh, he says, honey, I, I got to look in there. And she said, I know you're going to look in there. Bring it to me. And so he pulls it down. He's been interested for 60 years. What is in this box? And so he looks inside the box and he sees two knit little dolls and like $90,000. And uh, he's shocked a little bit. This has been sitting up in their, their cupboard. And he, and he brings it to her and he goes, honey, what, tell me about these dolls. And she says, well, my, my mom told me when we were first married, Never to have a fight. Just as soon as you think that you're going to have a fight, go and knit a doll. And he starts to weep a little bit. He goes, man, 60 years, this sweet woman, only two dolls. She goes, he goes, honey, what, what is the $90,000? She said, well, every time I got five, I'd sell them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the money makes it real, right? <laughs> I'm going to ask Pete a question really quick because we, we've announced all these different things that are going to happen. And you guys know in this day and age, especially right now in our economy, <clears throat> things cost. What, what's the number right now, the initial number that uh, the builders have given us as uh, projected cost? Yeah, the projected cost for this project to do everything that we've shared with you this morning is $6.8 million. It just got real. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, the elders along with a number of teams that we've formed to get counsel and wisdom from you. A lot of our church family we've invited yeah. into the planning process. Uh, we've continued to, to roll around in the numbers and what do we need? And is this what God's leading us to? We understand that is a big number. And we understand what we're yeah. facing as an economy and as a country, as a culture. Um, but we're just trusting that the Lord is leading us to do this, not for our own name, but to continue to do what he's called yeah. us to. And if he's in it, He's going to provide for it. This is his plan. He already has the means to provide for it. Uh, but whatever God does bring, whatever yeah. he does lead his, this church to participate to, we will take that as his answer and we will uh, uh, move and go and adjust as needed. Um, but when we hear that number, uh, it can kind of, like you said, we can kind of lead a, a gasp in yeah. the room. Um, we, we understand that. We want to be sensitive to that. And that's what we want to inform you honestly and then step back and let the Spirit of God work in our hearts and lead us as a church. Um, but we, we believe that this is going to be an investment that will impact this church for generations and yeah. generations to come. What I'd like to do uh, is to leave that, that we're, we're going to have time uh, where we have a, um, a, a family chat outside of Sunday morning. Uh, we're going to have some other moments where we can inform. We'll get prepared for the fall where we can have uh, a little bit more information. But if I can pull us back to the beginning of the message as we land the plane here. One of the things that we want to highlight is this is a place where all of these ideas about God, the truth about Jesus, salvation can go from theories and theology right into the heart. And so this is what I I want to address in the room. If you're here and you're visiting, uh, this family chat is for our family. You're just watching into how family interacts about Uh, important decisions. Um, If you're here and you don't yet know Christ, uh, and at the beginning of the message, you're hearing about somebody who would forgive you, the God of the universe who cares about you, this is all I want you to worry about today. Forget the second half. I just want you to trust Jesus this morning. Amen. 
to find that forgiveness and to live it out in your life. Don't worry about any other obligation other than you need to know him and you need to be set free. If you're family, we just want you to consider what your role is here. You might need more to have questions answered, whatever it is, we'll be available for those things. We want you to be able to do that. But our main focus this morning is, this is a place where we intend to continue the storyline. This is a place where people can hear the truth about Jesus and what he'll do in your life. Let's let that still be the storyline. This morning, if you need somebody to pray for you or you want to give your life to Christ, we'll still have people up here in front to, uh, to meet you. Um, but for the rest of you, for Salem Heights family, we just want you to take these things we've talked about, take them home, chew on them, uh, and consider what God would have you do. Amen. Can I pray? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now uh, to fill us up, to give us uh, an insight into what it is that you would have us do next. We give you all of these truths. We give you... Um, our life, our church, and we pray, Father, that uh, you would help us to wrap our minds around these beautiful things that you are doing in Scripture. Uh, they're not just theology. They're not just interesting things for us to study. Father, these are personal things. You have come through time and space and eternity. Christ, you came through the heavens to take on the form of man, to die in our place so that we would not live forever without you so that hell wouldn't be our reality, so that heaven would be our home. We praise you for that. We don't understand it, but we give you praise for that truth that you would transform us. Father, we ask that you would just help us now as we think about sharing that story and having others experience the truth of it. As we think about that, we pray, Father, that you would drill that into our home, uh, into our heart, and this place that we call home, we pray that you would help us to make it the most inviting place possible for others to hear that truth. So help us to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.